Hey guys, the following podcast is a Lady Gang Network and Podcast One production, which means it's going to be awesome. Live by Live has all of your favorite music, and you can listen for free. Whether you hit play on one of our hundreds of curated music stations or create your own custom artist radio station, you'll find the music you love on Live by Live. Visit LiveXLive.com or search LiveXLive in the App Store or Google Play and listen for free now. Hey, group chat. I know y'all see my text. There's tea to be spilled. Each week, we're bringing you our unfiltered take on culture, news, dating, and our lives as black millennial women. We're coming to y'all with the honesty and eye rolls that only a text chain with your girls can. This is Black Girls Texting with Chelsea, Glenn, and Shade. Welcome back to another episode of Black Girls Texting. I embarrassingly did not have my mic plugged in this whole time, so we are taking it from the top of the show with my girls, Chels Pinky and Glenn Bedsty Brat. You know, Lord have mercy. I'm in rare form. <laughs> I, I I apologize. On red or reply. Well, first and foremost, I'm gonna leave my condition on red because I. Just- <laughs> <laughs> not feeling so great right now i yeah that's a quick red um and then <laughs> i said her condition <laughs> and then i'm gonna reply to my good sis sizza um i don't know who her trainer is i don't know what she's been up to i need all the above but she looks amazing like stunning some and pole I'm dancing classes so here for it She's so the baddest. I want to get back in a pole dancing class because it just makes me feel sexy, <laughs> even though I'm terrible at it. It's just I good. You just have girl. to learn. Yeah, this is I was my first time. Yeah, I can't do it. Like I've literally had a pole in my home, and I could not really do it. But yeah, you should know some things. You yeah. lived with someone who did that. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I I don't have upper body strength. Um. So. Yeah, that yeah, so I'll go. Um, I am replying to Sweetie. Guys, I forgot what I was replying to. I'm replying to Sweetie and her very like cryptic text to Quavo when he like wrote a whole soliloquy. He was like, Oh my gosh, you're not the woman I thought you were. I was tricked, blah 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 blah. You talking about me, and she was just like, Take care. It was just such a good moment. Like, that's really how you handle that. That hurts more than when you write that whole paragraph and you send it to him. Just send him okay. Oh, Take that's my favorite move. The streets. Back, or, back or, just, the streets. or just like just like what he said. Don't even reply. I, I love, love it. Or I'm don't petty. even like it. I do an LOL. <laughs> oh, I love LOL. <laughs> that shit is hilarious to me. But one thing I was... I'm a demon. God bless. <laughs> which is, a, you know take care. Just both of those are so good. One thing I was seeing though, is people were like, um, Quavo tried to pull like the energy shift by being like, um, I've always had love. I always have love for you. Like he was trying to shift it around and like take the high road and saying like, you're not the woman I thought you were is like some gaslighty type energy. Absolutely. Yeah. And I was like, wow, the manipulation. And then somebody wrote in the comments, like, the nerve of this man to try to gaslight, and he's not even using correct, correct grammar, because he wrote, like, you're not the women I thought you were, it, amongst some other so many uh, grammatical errors. My friend several. was like, this is why punctuation is very important. I cannot follow this tweet. I had no idea what it was trying to say. I really couldn't. I really... I really didn't get it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, I was anyways, like, long so as sure I, he cheated. I'm putting my red this week is Candace Owens. She's just like getting on my last nerve. First, she like responded to the whole Meghan Markle, Harry situation and was like tweeted and was super insensitive. And then she started talking about Cardi B, who, you know, I go up for Cardi, my Trinidadian cousin. Um, So you, Candace Owens. And if we were doing the Dave Chappelle race trade, we trade you. You're not black anymore. Your black card is taken. She's black. I don't care. Don't care about Locked. you. Get out. Our no face. blessings. Bye. <laughs> yes, ma'am. You know, rolling into that on red energy, I'm leaving Fashion Nova on red with them corny ass texts. They were sending people talking about it's the stimmy for me. 
encouraging people <laughs> i just you have to say you have to say for me I'm like the that way you say it i know i'm like that's gonna be stuck in my head for the rest of the day you cannot encourage people to spend their stimulus checks on fashion nova one and then y'all trying to adopt the language you know that the girls are are calling it the stimmy like y'all don't know nothing about that like Y'all are really trying it. Y'all are really trying to like convince your audiences that you're down with the culture or something and to get them to spend their stimulus checks on Fashion Nova. And it's just, it's it's irresponsible, I think. And it's like another like sign of them just being appropriative. Like they've even appropriated Black women's designs. Not even appropriated, it's just straight up stolen. Oh. Just stolen. And churned them out in their little fast fashion ass way. And I'm good on them. And fashion ass way. That's fashion ass way. <laughs> and I am replying to our boy, Matt James. I'm opening up my arms, sir. Come on back. Welcome back. Welcome home. Right. We take him and they can take Candace. Speak for yourselves. <laughs> I heard, you know what? I'm not even going to get into it. I just heard some things according to my friends that are deep, deep in Bachelor Reddits. Who knew Bachelor had Reddits? Um, apparently he is a registered Republican, which is not the end of the world. Um, I have no problem with your political affiliation, but they also are saying that Mama Matt James voted for your boy 45. Okay, the first time or the second time? I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll get clarity. These are rumors. These are, this is alleged. This is alleged, allegedly. But, it, you know, it's, it's making folks, you know, raise some eyebrows. But nonetheless, okay, you know, I think yeah. he... He stood his ground. He did what needed to be done. He did. And we were we were literally, as viewers, watching this very raw, real conversation play out between a couple on national television, between an interracial couple. And I couldn't help but wonder, like, how many other interracial couples have had to have this kind of conversation before? Um, and he was really standing firm in it. He was like, I'm not going to be responsible personally for, for how you feel right now because of our relationship. Like, I want you to feel everything you're feeling because it was wrong. And I want you to, like, do better. And I can't even consider being in a relationship with you, sis. Also, she's so young. She's like, he's the love of my life. But, like, Her dad fine. will be happy. He wasn't <laughs> in that James thing. Yeah, I, don't, I heard that, too. Mm. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was amazing to see. It, it's amazing to see these, like, conversations happen on national television. Oh, no. Okay, but really, really quick, going back to the STEMI, I know that what Fashion Nova did was wrong and immoral and predatory, but the STEMI jokes are so funny to me. <laughs> like, Oh, no, they're hilarious. <laughs> there's this, I'm going to play a clip of it. There's this STEMI song about this guy not getting his stimulus check, check yet. Let's give it a listen. <laughs> what i am crying it's hilarious it's this man like dancing around where is my stimulus check (laughs) (laughs) no really though where's my check though everybody's calling it their stimmy like literally everyone It's so funny. No, this man did one. So there goes my baby. It's like, where is my stimmy? Where is my stimulus check? Seems like got their money. I ain't got mine yet. I've actually learned the whole song. <laughs> it was so good. Oh my gosh. Well, my friend did say that she was going to shop with her stimulus and she was like, now you might think that that is irresponsible, but the point of the stimulus is to stimulate the economy. Nah, you know what? That's a good point. <laughs> no, I mean, I just don't want to stimulate the economy via fashion Nova. No, no, no. Right, right. We could do you some, know, some nice black owned business. Yeah. Yeah. Like local businesses. <laughs> yeah. Small business. Oh, fashion Maybe Nova. by paying rent. That too. Because people need that, need to do that. You know, but for the jokes, you know, sometimes you got to laugh. Oh, they're hilarious. Totally. Um, Is anybody making y'all's hotline blingy bling? I feel like your hotline's blinging. My hotline been blinging. I have a couple of hotline blings, but I'm going to, the one I want to talk about today quickly 
because it was a long conversation, but one of my homegirls that from the Peace Corps, she's Korean American and um, she's been posting like a lot of really interesting stuff on Instagram in the wake of the, the recent attacks in Atlanta about how she's like grappling with like not knowing how to feel emotionally um, and how like suddenly she felt like she was walking out and making eye contact with more Asian people than she ever had before and feeling like an affinity that she had never felt before or feeling like they were all in something together and she never felt that before. I mean, this is her one individual experience, right? And that's what she said to me. So we were texting about it. She was like, I had this feeling like, is that what it's like for you? Like typically, like to feel a part of a, a community, but especially like after tragedy happens. And I was like, yeah, girl, that's how it feels. We talked about so much stuff. We talked about be like how she was telling me how one time she came over to my house and one of my friends was like, oh my God, I thought you were going to be white. I'm glad you're not. And how, because I was in Peace Corps with like all these white kids and how my friend felt like a, like a, a relieved that she didn't have to like, what she would have assumed to do some kind of work to be in that space with a white person, how she felt like she could just like kind of be more natural because we were in a room full of people of color at that point. And how my friend was like, wow, like that made me feel like included, but it was like a surprising comment for me to hear. Like I hadn't expected somebody to say that to me. I don't know. She was just like, she's going through all of this stuff through her identity. Um, And it was interesting to just talk to one another and see all of these places of overlap. We were talking about how much we both loved like Lizzie McGuire as kids and how it made us think that like the white kids just had it all going for them. And how I, I remember like that watching the show Lizzie McGuire and being so entertained by it, but also hating her so much. Like she b- boiled my blood and I hadn't been able to realize why. And I, in speaking to my friend yesterday, I was like, you know what? It probably was because things came to her just so easily. She just seemed Mm. like she had this like perfect life, little happy nuclear family. She has the popular boy and little artsy little nerdy boy that love her. She's going to Italy and riding on the back of Vespas. And she's just (laughs) I don't remember this show in this much Uh, depth, but wow, she was doing a lot. She was doing it all. And I had, there were no other like depictions like that of like little black girls And, and neither, um, Asian American girls. So that's I don't know. Raven. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that came after when raven. I got older. So yeah. Lizzie McGuire was before. I loved that to Raven. Raven, that show was hilarious. And Tiny. Um, yes. Yes, yes, yes. But we talked all about just like how we would code switch in certain spaces and just all kinds of stuff. And how we had been in white spaces at certain points in our life, but like look up around us now and realize like, oh damn, my people are my people. Like my core group of friends are black women, black people. And she was like, all of my core group of friends are Korean. And I was like, yeah, girl. I mean, that's what it is sometimes. I do hope that this is a learning moment, although it is super unfortunate and like tragic that minority groups can start to have those connections like while we are very different being able to like identify in that likeness of being a minority group and then like support one another which we've talked about on previous episodes like there's definitely some work that needs to be done yeah did you guys talk at all about um I'm asking like recap your conversation but like like the racism that is so prevalent in that community anti-black right we didn't get there which I would be, and I know I need to like reopen the conversation because it was getting long. And I was like, oh, I don't like to text this much in one bubble. We, need to, we might need to hop on the phone. But I, one thing I, I'll end with, <laughs> <laughs> and with saying that was interesting is she was like, you know, it was weird. Like some of our white friends from Peace Corps texted to check up on me. And I thought it was like, it made me feel really uncomfortable. Shut up oh yes. my god they got the text they got the text <laughs> and she was like and I was I, kept, I was like wow I wondered if any of my black friends felt that way when it, like when people were saying like check on your black friends during the summer um and they got those texts and I was like yeah girl I mean it made me feel uncomfortable it made me feel awkward because it felt like very presumptive about what I was feeling and assuming that I would share any of those feelings with these people that I that are not my people that are just coming out of nowhere texting me like what was the point I, I could go into that I feel like we talked about this on a past episode yes um, our BLM episode yeah but one thing she did say she was like 
because I was like, I don't know. I was like, should I be texting people? Should I be texting my Asian friend? And then like, ultimately I was like, well, I know how that, that made me feel very awkward. So I'm not going to do that. But she was like, I mean, if it would have came from you, I would, I would have gotten it. And, and I would have felt like you got it. Um, so I'm glad that ultimately she and I got to have a conversation, but it's to yeah. Shade about these sort of like, we can find these connections. Um, this is interesting. This is definitely something we should continue to unpack. Yes, ma'am. But until then, I'm super excited for our guest. Yes. Hey, guys, it's Charles Pinky here. Just so you know, we're doing a giveaway with Bolden Skincare, Black-owned skincare. It works. The three of us use it, and obviously our skin is glowing. In order to win, you have to rate, comment, and subscribe. All the details are on our Instagram. So go to Black Girls Texting on Instagram to get details and try to win some skincare. My good sis, that's a black girl doing shit. Our black shit. girl doing shit this week is Tracy Thomas, who has a sister podcast on the Lady Gang Network. She is the host of The Stacks. It is your literary best friend, your virtual book club, your one-stop shop for everything books. Weekly, Tracy chats with a wide array of guests from film and television stars to community leaders, publishing professionals, and best-selling authors. Tune in every Wednesday to The Stacks for an intelligent, accessible, and entertaining conversation about books. Your bookshelves will thank you. Welcome to the group chat, Tracy. Yay! Yay. I'm so excited that you all exist in this Lady Gang universe. I'm just so excited to be talking to a sister pod. Yes. All right, y'all. It's time for the group chat. So I really wanted to talk on this episode about Black women as readers and Mm. why Black women continuously come back to literature to find ourselves. And, you know, there's this this statistic that I'm sure you all have heard that like college educated Black women are some of the most voracious readers in America, the most likely to read um, in any given year. Um, And I kind of wanted to explore like why that is. Um, And I found this beautiful quote from Toni Morrison where she writes about where she talks about the reader as an artist. Um, I'm going to read it to y'all. So she says, listening to stories requires a heavy reliance on my own imagination to provide detail, the specific color of things, the feel of the weather, the space characters occupied, their physical features, their motives, why they behaved as they did, and especially the sound of their speech, where so much meaning lay. Listening required me to surrender to the narrator's word, while remaining alert inside it. So in this, she's talking about like listening to oral storytelling. And then she goes on to say, when I read literature, slowly digging for the hidden, questioning or relishing the choices the author made, eager to envision what is there, noticing what is not, in listening and in reading, it is when I surrender to the language, enter it, that I see clearly. Sometimes the experience is profound, harrowing, beautiful, other times enraging, contemptible, unrewarding. Whatever the consequence, the practice itself is riveting. So I was thinking about reading as a practice, as an art. And I was wondering if you, I saw your eyes closing, <laughs> um, if you relate to that feeling in the, um, the act of reading. Do you consider it an art? I do. I definitely do. Um, I I always joke with a lot of times I have authors on my podcast and they'll say something to me and then they'll be like, you know how it is when you write da 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 da. And I always have to remind them like, no, I actually don't know. I'm not a writer. I am a I'm a professional reader, I guess. Mm. Um, and mm-hmm. I and I'm a reader and I exist to consume that art, but I don't exist to. I don't have aspirations of writing, right? Like I, it's just, you know, like I think people understand it better when you think about not everyone who loves watching movies has aspirations of being a director. And it's that same thing. Like I just want to consume the art and think about it and reflect on it. And so I definitely have a practice of reading. Like I read regularly and I also have developed more of a practice of how I think about and talk about book. Um, Cause I used to just be like, oh, I liked this book or I didn't like this book or this book was bad and this book was good. And I think that when we talk in sort of binaries around any kind of art, we lose so much of what is actually going on. Um, so that's sort of how I approach, how I think about myself in relationship to written word. Yeah. And is any of that like the motivation that was behind creating the stacks, like wanting to talk about books and with more nuance? So yeah, basically, um, 
as a black woman who, when I started the show, I read almost ex- not exclusively, but I would say like 75 to 80% nonfiction. And a lot of the times when you read nonfiction, you end up having people have conversations around it that are like very like highfalutin, if you will. Um, and sort of, so I read this book called um, Blood in the Water, which was about the Attica prison uprising. It's incredible. Everyone should read it if you have any interest in nonfiction. It's so freaking good. Um, but when I finished the book, I was like, I, I really want to talk to someone about it. And nobody in my life really remembered the riot well enough or like the uprising well enough. And then I went on my podcast app and was like, I bet there's a podcast about it. This book won the Pulitzer Prize. And there were like two episodes of two different podcasts. And one was like a lawyer podcast. And so it was super into like the legal jargon of what had happened. And then the other one was like something really pretentious, like an pretentious and also like really fucking white and like they were talking about the the book but they were, weren't talking about race and they weren't talking about politics and they weren't really talking about what the book is about and I was like there needs to be a podcast that is talking about the stuff that I want to be talking about but also talking about the books that I want to be talking about and not just talking about like the new Sally Rooney no offense or like the new I don't know Kristen Hannah or like whoever whoever people are obsessed with and like that's not to say that I don't talk about popular books like we had Britt Bennett on the podcast and like she's on the cover of Time this week. So like I, I, there's nothing against popular books or anything, but it's like, I wanted to be able to talk about books in interesting, different ways and engage with like race and gender and politics, but also be the millennial black girl that I am. And like, not be ashamed of the fact that I say like a lot, you know, and like not be ashamed of the fact that I also want to reference my favorite snacks and beverages. and like, not like, I wanted to be able to have fun with it, but also be like, I'm a smart black woman. And like, we exist and we read and we want to talk about shit too. And just be correct. You know, like, it's like, I don't want to also have to only talk about Tony. Morrison, which we do a Toni Morrison episode every year. But like, I also want to talk about books by white guys. And I also want to be able to talk about books by, you know, Asian women. And I want to be able to talk about books by non-binary folks and whatever that looks like, because that's how I read. And so that was like, I just wanted basically to create a space where I could feel like I existed and that was important, which I guess is like life as a Black person. (laughs) You said something that like really, that I resonated with thinking about like conversations around literature can often be so pretentious. And I wanted to pose this question to all of y'all in your times reading in literary spaces, maybe even in like an English class or something. Have you ever felt isolated by reading? Like I can say like when I was in the Peace Corps, right? We had this uh, book club with all my white Peace Corps friends and they were like, we're only going to read the classics. And I was like, all right. What were the classics? Girl, I don't know. I read Madame Bovary and I'd stopped reading the rest. I didn't read the rest of the books. I like Madame Bovary actually, (laughs) but I didn't get to the rest of them. I'm like, who are saying what the classics are? Who says what those are? And like, I'm like John Steinbeck. (laughs) Right. They were so old and stiff. And I was like, I don't even know what's going on in these books. And they started to make me feel kind of, I started to feel very like, oh my God, I can't access what this means. So something is wrong. And then I like kind of was turned off by reading for a long time. Then I joined, I was in an MFA program and I was reading books like once a week. And I didn't realize in the beginning that I was allowed to like, not like what I was reading. So Mm -hmm. I was like, fuck, I just got to read these books so fucking fast. And I have to say like something really good and smart about it. Not that I could just show up and be like, yeah, I only got through a fourth of the book because I just didn't like it. Didn't, didn't grab my attention, but yeah, I don't know. It As we're talking about like what's considered classic, I wonder if you've ever found yourselves in spaces where like you were just completely, where you felt like isolated by literature in any kind of way. Well, honestly, I was like a little nervous about this podcast because I am not a reader, which feels like almost like ignorant or like bad to say, like I'm not a reader, but like it's very, it takes me a really long time to read like if I'm gonna probably are a reader you just might not read books like are you on Twitter are you on Instagram like are you do you read the newspaper do you read magazines like you know what I read my New York Times daily briefing every morning you read your COVID news every night I read this this and I read my COVID news we call her Falquisha oh I've heard about this I'm Dr. Falquisha (laughs) wow oh my god I do read oh that feels so much better but like so I have this bookcase in my um, in my bedroom. I just moved ish. And I was like, 
I love the saying that you don't sleep with someone if you go to their home and they don't have books and like good books. I believe that, right? Because even if you don't necessarily read the books, at least you got the books. So I was like, listen, I was like, I got to stack this bookcase. So I got like, you know, quote unquote, the classics. It's very black. They're black classics. You know, we got like Malcolm X, we have, you know, Audre Lorde, we have Baldwin. And then I really fell in love with a lot of Spanish literature. So I have like Pablo Neruda and Isabel Allende. Have I read any of them books? (laughs) No, ma'am. They're sitting (laughs) on the shelf. They will get read, but it will probably take me like three years to read the like 10 books that I bought. And sometimes I feel like a little ashamed by that. Like there are nights where I'm like, okay, do not put on the Real Housewives. Like sit down and read your book, read your book. And I don't know. It feels like I'm not like, you know, a literary kind of bitch. Can I therapize you for a moment? Therapize the hell out of Or whatever. Please. I don't know what the word is. Please. Look, you, I, I, I get this all the time. People like feeling insecure about their reading life, whatever it is. And like, A, let it go. If reading is a priority to you, you will make time for it. If it is not a priority to you right now, you will not make time for it. Who cares? Why feel guilty about that? Like, it's such a silly thing. So that's my first thing. My second thing is if you feel like I really want to read and I want to make it a priority, my pieces of advice are one set goals around your reading. So like I used to read a ton when I was younger, I lived in New York. I used to read a ton on the subway. When I moved to LA, I stopped reading because I didn't have subway time. And so in 2017 or 16, 16, I set a goal to read one book a month. That was it. So within 30 days, I had to read a book. And like some of the books were very, very short and that's fine. Um, and I finished two days before the end of the year and I did it and it felt great. And so for me, that helped me to get back on track with reading this year. My reading goal, instead of number of books is to read 10 pages a day. I usually read more than that, but like, or you could say to sit down and read for 10 minutes a day. But honestly, if you, if you make goals, if you're a goal setting person, but if you make reading a priority and you're interested in it, you'll do it. And then the other piece of advice for you specifically, given that I know that you like to read brief things is to pick up some essay collections because those you can read like one essay a day. Um, and that way it'll help you to get back into it. And then once you get your muscle into reading, you're going to be like, Oh, I actually really like reading. And I, I really like that person's essay. I want to read their novel or I want to read their longer book, but like take all the judgment shit out of it. Like that's silly. And you don't need it. If you want to watch real housewives, you just watch real housewives. Well, housewives, like that's it. And then when you want to read, you'll read and like done, you're done. I love that. I love that. Um, I don't know for me reading, it needs to be social. So like if I'm reading a book with my friends and we can have a conversation about it, I think that's when it works for me. Or like now my job is reading. Um, so you want to talk about race and like, Mm -hmm. I know that I have to be prepared for this conversation. So like anytime it's social, that helps me read, but yeah, I've definitely felt isolated about reading. Like when you talk about classics, I remember we had to read, um, like those super dense books in school, like, like the Odyssey. I was like, I mean, it's a, it's a great story, but I'm like, this is just not for me. You know, (laughs) I'm more of like, (laughs) but at the same time, I I found joy in like books that weren't necessarily for me. Like I remember what's that book, uh, Catcher in the Rye. Like it's about some, I love that book, but I love that book. Like I I read that book like three times because (laughs) I was going off to boarding school and like, so, you know, I have a, a, a relationship with books that, um, it needs to be social and it needs to feel like I can relate. I would say that's for me. Yeah. Okay. So actually beautiful segue, Chelsea, um, this quote from friend of the pod, former essence books editor, Patrick Henry Bass. He said, Then as in now, reading provides Black women an escape into others' lives and a route to empowerment for their own lives. Um, So I was curious, like, what books were you reading? Like, you can think of, like, a book that you read as a kid or coming up where you really saw yourself um, and that what operated as a a vehicle of escape for you. Um, So, like, I'll say my escape, but also, like, where I saw myself, low-key, all in all honesty, the coldest winter ever. I think I've shared this Bird. with you before. You said the hood books. Of, correct. The hood books. Yes, I did. I think that's one of the most iconic pieces of American literature. Oh my god. I do believe. And one day I'm gonna do a whole think piece on like how hood literature is 
essential because it democratizes um, the publishing industry. And you can just see people walking down the subway with their book that they self-published or selling mad books on the street. And these authors that like only people in our community knew and like me and my girls in my school were literally passing the books around like, oh shit, you got the new um, A Hustler's Wife part three. And like, we were tearing those books apart. We couldn't stop reading. And at least we were reading something. Yep. But yeah, so I think um, uh, that is so close to forever. My favorite. That, that is so real. Like those hood books, like they were just like page turners. Like I was like, how am I reading this so fast? Like what was the Corinne <laughs> Stephens book? Um, Superhead or t- Video Vixen? Vi- uh, me- memoirs of a Video Vixen or something. I was reading that when I had no business reading that. And I was reading it fast. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, I also thought about The Bluest Eye, which I read really young and kind of like didn't understand what was happening, but definitely found myself relating to like all these themes of beauty and identity in Black girlhood. Um, colorism and all that stuff was definitely something I was constantly like working through as a kid. And um, I remember when I read that being like, it like knocked me off my feet seeing certain like questions that were coming up in Pakola's mind that I had been like, quite honestly, like asking myself. Um, so yeah. What about y'all? That's interesting. So for me, I, as I mentioned, I really like nonfiction. And so when I started kind of reading as an adult, but also like as an older teenager for myself, I wasn't reading novels and I wasn't reading anything that was specifically I think aimed at me like one of my favorite authors is John Krakauer and he wrote that book Into the Wild and Into Thin Air and he writes these like investigative journalism narrative nonfiction books about things and like I really liked that stuff um and so when you ask like what book I kind of like I saw myself reflected back I honestly can't think of the first book aside from maybe like Matilda by Roald Dahl who's like a <laughs> Nazi or something so you know, oh no spoiler oh, yeah. alert we're not a fan of him as a person Person, but I liked the book as a kid. I didn't know. We didn't know. I mean, um, the book was great. It's a great book. And she was a voracious reader and kind of like, I don't know. I wasn't that weird. I wasn't as like, I was, you know, everyone's like, oh, I'm so weird. I'm like, I am weird, but I wasn't that weird of a kid. Like I was pretty just like, I did ballet and like, you know, whatever soccer. Um, but <laughs> I liked her. And then, and then it wasn't until I started sort of, sort of started this podcast that I really started like consciously reading books by black authors, by Black women, um, by other marginalized groups. And I don't know, I see myself in glimpses here and there in almost everything I read, but I think that's also because my reading practice was always so different than who I am that I can always relate. And also we're taught to relate to people that aren't Black women because nothing was for us until recently, you know, like Toni Morrison, Mm -hmm was publishing it like what in the seventies, like that's when she started. So like, you know, and there were people before her or whatever, but like they weren't being taken seriously. Like there was some study or some article that came out about, um, black uh, publishing, you know, publishing so white or whatever. And they were talking about how, aside from when Toni Morrison was an editor at random house, there was like nothing being published by black people, except for what Toni Morrison was publishing. And like, so this idea that like, you have to be able to relate to a book that people want to tell you like, oh, I didn't like Britt Bennett's book because I couldn't relate or like, I didn't get it. I'm like, what? Use your imagination. I like, I couldn't relate Holden Hoffield or Holden Caulfield, whatever the fuck that guy's name is in that book (laughs) that you guys like that I hate. Um, (laughs) Like he wasn't for me. He wasn't written about me. Like I had to pull out the pieces of him that resonated. Like we're, we can, I can watch a movie or I can watch a TV show or I can read a book and be like, oh, I connect with that versus, oh, I don't connect with that. Um, I, I can't remember who has the quote, but I was just talking with an author the other day about it. And they said that book, they, they were quoting someone else, but that books are mirrors, windows, or sliding glass doors. And that I think a lot of the time as a, as a black woman, the books aren't mirrors, you know, maybe it's a window into someone else, or maybe it's a sliding glass door where you get the opportunity to step into someone else, but it's so rare that a book is actually written, or it was so rare that a book was actually written for us by us, about us, centering us, obsessed with us, you know, like, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <lot>. No, no, <laughs> no. That makes perfect sense. I mean, I mean, my faves, the gossip girls, 
Correct. I know. Well, I was going to say that's, that that was my escapism girls. too. Loved them and related too. Well, because at the time yeah. I had just transferred to private school. Granted, my private school, I think that school is actually based off of this school in New York City called Nightingale, which at the time- I used to work at. No I way. Used to teach, I used to teach dance. I didn't work at the school, but I used to teach after school dance at um, Brearley, Chapin, Nightingale, and- um, What's the boys, the all boys school? I'm like collegiate. 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 Yep, we're collegiate. <laughs> wow. I used to live around insane. the corner from collegiate when I lived in New York. So oh, when so I was, exactly. When I was touring schools, my mom was going to transfer me out of public school. I went to the Brearley's. I went to the Nightingale's. I went to all those schools. And at the same time I was reading Gossip Girl. And it was this weird relationship I had between being like, I'm leaving, you know, the neighborhood school and going into this other right. world. And it was just like so wild. And of course, like I was a Harry Potter nerd, like full on, like I was, I was deep into that. Oh, Another yeah. super problematic author. Correct. Absolutely. I oh, don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. She is problematic. Wait, She's okay. She's a super just... turf. <laughs> I, what is it? What does turf mean again? Turf like- is a trans exclusionary radical feminist. Yes. Okay. So it's basically a feminist who doesn't believe that trans women are women and that they should be treated poorly because they're assholes. The turfs believe that. Yeah, I don't believe that trans it. women are assholes. <laughs> yeah. Oof. It's, it's such a shame because she was like giving me life in my and the thing. The thing that really is, I never read the Harry Potter books. So I don't have any feelings about her what? or them. I know it's one of those things about me. Sorry. I didn't read fiction. I told you I read non. Oh, you're right. Right, right, right. Um, But the thing that makes me so mad about people like her is like, you could just shut the fuck up. Like you didn't have to say anything. You could have just let us enjoy your little novels or whatever and not be such an asshole. And then we could all still be giving you our money and supporting you and just having some escape. But now it's like, I can't, I can't like you because you're a jerk and you could have just shut up and been rich and it told your friends. You didn't have to get on your Twitter and do it. You could have just told your friends over a cocktail or whatever. Well, maybe it's good that we know. So now we know where else to take our money. No coin for her. I think about people who are like rich and famous. I mean, our former president who shall not be named. I think about that with him a lot. I'm like, you could have just been rich and played golf and just rode off into the sunset. Why did you have to ruin all of our lives? Girl, just go jail. When I tell you that I so blocked him out of my mind, when he said our former president, I just Obama popped in my head. I couldn't even I, conjure up. <laughs> Him. I Lucky think I like you. removed <laughs> that period from my brain. Oh my God. Maybe I can work really hard on that. Yeah, maybe that's something you I can do. do. <laughs> wait, wait, you just said, we talked about Harry Potter and it just made a question pop up into my head. How do you feel about books that are turned into movies and shows? Okay. So I have an unpopular, I think, opinion about this, which is if a book is not very good, it makes a very good movie. But if a book is very good, don't turn it into a movie. That's how I feel. So like my prime example of that is I really did not like the book, The Black Klansman. Um, It's a really bad book. Like, it's just not good. It's not well written. Like it's, it, 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 the character development is bad, whatever. It just it doesn't work. It's not, it's not well done, but the movie is very good. And so I believe that movies can be better than books, but you have to start with the book that has like not great source material. I love art because we can just, <laughs> you know, have our perspectives and opinions. Cause I hate that movie. I'm going to say, <laughs> oh, I've do? never seen it, but I heard it was basura. Okay. You have <laughs> to read the book. The, I'm not. Okay. The, the, the book is the worst. Let me, let me say this because I thought the movie was fine. I, I shouldn't have said that it's a great movie. It's a fine movie. Okay. And I think that there are parts of it that are good, but what Spike Lee did with the screenplay and how he turned it into an actual functioning story and like created character development, none of that is in the book. Like the book is super like one note, like black guy wants to be friends with white people so bad, can't say anything bad about racism kind of vibe. And like, I felt like Spike Lee was able to give the movie a point of view. Um, And I think this happens a lot with things. I think a lot of things that people don't know were books first are the movies that make, are the books that make really good movies. Yeah, I can see. I mean, sometimes the story is just so good, but it just, like the nugget was right there but they yeah. couldn't really but couldn't I think Little work. Fires Everywhere I haven't read the book but I heard the book was equally amazing and that show was incredible I have not read or seen the show oh girl 
I know. I don't Tracy. read that much fiction. You know yeah. what? I forgot. We're not shaming here. Oh, I know. Yeah, we're not shaming. No, this is a safe space. <laughs> it's like, very hard on. for people to get in their mind that I really don't read that much fiction. I do now, but like anything that came out over like four or five years ago, that's fiction. I probably didn't read it. Okay. I so what are, the, what are like the top three nonfiction must reads? Okay. Um, so if you've never read the autobiography of Malcolm X, I think that is a book that you should definitely read. I'm reading it right now. And I just finished the Satan chapter. Mm-hmm. So he's, but he's, that, that book makes you hate certain people for a minute. Correct. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I'm really curious what certain people. I could not at. look at a white person after. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I was I'm like serious. very curious what was going. Yeah, no, um, it's not a great edit for the whites. Um, <laughs> Okay. What other nonfiction books? Okay. Um, I'm trying to think I'm trying to give like, okay. Oh, the warmth of other sons by Isabel Wilkerson. Beautiful. Phenomenal book. Phenomenal book. So good. Um, and then I, as I mentioned, I love John Krakauer. So I would recommend him though. I, I haven't read him in so long. I think he might be a trash person. I don't really know. I don't know. I don't know him to have any scandals, but like if it came out that he was a trash person, I would be like, that makes sense because you were very big in the nineties and you're a straight white guy. So like, if he's trash, he's trash. Um, the other book that I mentioned earlier, blood in the water. Um, and then I know you said three, but I'm going to give you one more. One of my all-time favorite memoirs, uh, is a book called heavy by KSA Lehman. So, 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 so good. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's relatively new. I think it came out in 2018 or 19. He's a professor, right? Yeah, is yeah. He's. I just finished that book. Heavy. Did you love it, girl? It took me so long to read that book. I was like, oh, it's such a small book. This will be a quick read. Was it because it was heavy? It's it's heavy. (laughs) It's heavy. Um, I really and and when I first started it, I was obsessed with it. I thought the language was incredible. I feel like I'm like not allowed to say this out. No, say it. No judgment. I'm so curious. Somewhere along like the last third of the book, I just kind of like, I I felt like I was getting lost. Like I felt like I was a little like redundant. I really feel so bad saying that out loud. That's okay. You can say that. (laughs) Again, we're all allowed to have our own opinions. The girls love Kiesi. I told one of my friends that he was like, no, it's just simply not true. I mean, I disagree with you. It's a (laughs) phenomenal book, but you're allowed to have your opinion. Like whatever. I did think it was amazing when I first started again. Like I was like, what the? Like three pages in, I was like screaming to everybody that they had to read it. Like what he does with the language was amazing. It just took a turn that I didn't expect. Yeah. <sighs> you know? I do. Okay, do you I ever to listen to that. audiobooks? Because he reads the audio and it's so good on audio also. I, I read I, it. I was I was yeah. gonna say I heard him speak. He came to yeah. my college and he's oh, an really? incredible speaker. So he's incredible. He was a guest on the stacks and it's those two episodes are probably two of my favorite episodes ever. He's just like so phenomenal. So in addition to thinking his book is great, which I read long before I ever met him. So I really liked the book. And then I got to speak with him and he's just, not only is he a great writer, but one of the things I just, I just want to toot his horn for a second, which is that he really truly loves black people in a real way. He loves being black, cares about black people. He believes in our tenderness and our toughness. He believes in our ability to be creative. And like, he's one of those people that will read a brand new author's books and blurb it if he thinks it's good, not for any reason besides just like being uh, what it some Disha Filia, an amazing, another amazing author who had her debut this year. She said that Kiese is a gateway and not a gatekeeper. And I just, oh, that's like, amazing. it's so true that. about him. I mean, um, you can definitely feel the tenderness in the way that he writes about the people in his life. Yeah. Now, Glenn, do you feel bad? I do. I felt oh, no, bad. No, I, don't feel bad. I, I have to tell you, I have had so many authors on the podcast where I was in love with the person and I was like, I did not like your book. Like, I'm not saying I didn't like it. I do. I recognize No, but I'm just it. saying you're, allo- you're allowed like, to be like, the end, I was like, what? yeah, how did we get here? Wow. This just took a turn, but I think whatever y'all let, wait, let Tracy, do you, do you tell them, <laughs> do you tell them you don't like their book? I don't tell them I don't like their book. Cause I don't need to be mean to people, you know, like, it's like, what does that serve? But right. I do review every single book that I read on my Instagram. And so I try to be honest. I mean, I don't try to be, I am honest with books that I like and I don't like, and usually like there's very few books that I'm like, this book is perfect in every single way. So even books that I love, I will put something critical in my reviews. Like, you know, I'm not a real reviewer. It's like a few paragraphs on Instagram or whatever, but like, I don't ever, 
I don't ever change my opinion or like um, cheapen my integrity for, for a review. Like if I thought something wasn't good, if I didn't connect with it, I'll say that. And I'll usually also be like, I didn't like this part because I don't like this kind of fiction. So if you like this, like you'll probably like the book a lot, you know, like this is just my opinion based on my taste. So I try to separate, like, like I said earlier, good and bad from what worked for me and why and what didn't. We love, love it. that. <laughs> I feel like we need a black girls texting X stacks book club that like, maybe, maybe it's like every three months. Cause you know, it's going to take me a long time, but the, you no, know. <laughs> we should definitely do that. I, I mean, I know we talked about doing, um, a, a pod, 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 pod swap. I don't know what the fuck you call it. A pod <laughs> trade, a pod trade, whatever. Um, and we should, and we will. Uh, we have to pick a book, but you guys will have to, we'll have to, we'll have to figure it out because I've never had three guests. The coldest winter ever. No. <laughs> we can totally, but I've never had three guests. <laughs> so I have to, to figure out how it would work. So we'll, ha- we'll have to, this is an offline convo, but we'll have it. I love it. I love it. I'm feeling so inspired. I'm like, I mean, I'm definitely going about to have dinner, but if I wasn't, <laughs> I would be reading a book right now. I'm going to be all over you. I'm going to be like in your DMS. Like, did you read, you have to, you have to figure out what you want to do and set your goals. And then I will be like your annoying, like stepmom or something being like, I like, I like the pages per day. Like I can commit to pages per day. Yeah. What about audio books? Is that still considered reading? Maybe you can do that. Yes. I, yes. Audio books are reading. And I just would like to say, not that you said this at all, Chelsea, but I just want to get on my high horse really quickly. Anyone who says that audio books is not reading that is ableist. And that is up because a lot of people can't read and comprehend visually for multitude of reasons, whether it has to do with their eyesight or, you know, reading comprehension, dyslexia, maybe they're on their zoom all day. So their eyes are very tired by the end of the day, you know, for whatever reason. So anyone, like if you're consuming the same information as me, why do you not get credit for it? Because you listened like, and then there are people who listen and can't, and people like me, I have a harder time doing audiobooks. Like it just doesn't stick in my brain as well because I'm not as auditory of a learner, you know? But it's like, I hate when people are like, oh, that's not reading, you listen. It's like, there oh, really? is a thing that is, there is like a, like a pretension yeah. around like, oh, it's an audiobook. It's not the same. I definitely did becoming via audio. Me too. Driving around California. She was talking for a long time. She, she sure was. To say. She had a lot to say. We love you. We love you, we Michelle. Love you, Michelle. Come on all of our podcasts, please, Michelle. Please. Hi, we're available. Please. So much. That'd be great. Just let us know when you're free. <laughs> yeah. And well. with audiobooks, you can speed them up, which I do. So you can listen oh. to them faster. I listened to Michelle at like 1.75. Same. Yeah, yeah. She was, you know those She's Obamas. As, they speak slow. They both yeah. speak slow. I love them. Hard. You know those Obamas. <laughs> Barack's book I'm about to do on like 2.5 because he. Oh my god, it's so 24 long. hours or 28 hours. I'm like Barack. I do not have that kind of time, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love this, Tracy. Thank you so much for joining us and talking. Thank you for books. having me. This is yes. such a treat. I never get to talk to three people at once. this is just the beginning and it feels so good to be able to like you talked about how you read and like that that shouldn't just be limited to you only reading quote-unquote black books that speak to the black experience and so much of our podcast and the three of us being so different is speaking to the fact that we are diverse we have different thoughts we have different feelings and I see so many similarities in the things that we do so I'm super honored that we got to talk to you and show people yet again there's another black person here we are not the same we're very different (laughs) spoiler alert we're not the same but don't you feel like also it's like it's frustrating to have to say that so often, you know, it's like, it's very frustrating. Like I, or to, yeah. That's why we do the work. Well, again, you know how we get down. You might be new to this podcast, but we talking a lot of shit and we have a good old time, especially when there's someone who's willing to kick it with us and spill all of the tea. We are educated black women. We read books, we watch The Bachelor, and we'll drag you all at the same time. This is the Black Girls Texting Podcast. Tracy from The Stacks, thank you so much for joining us. Can you let the listeners, if they don't know, know where to find you, where to listen, and where to stay tuned on all the amazing things you're doing? Okay, yes. 
You can listen to the Stacks podcast wherever you get your podcast, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, also on the Lady Gang Network. I also have my episodes drop on Wednesdays, so you have plenty of magical black girl shit to listen to on Wednesdays. You can also find, um, I'm most active on Instagram at the Stacks pod on Instagram, and I'm at the Stacks pod underscore on Twitter. And then you can, um, oh, the Stackspodcast.com. That's it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Tracy. Thank you all. This was great. All thank right. you. Thank you. Have a good evening with the twins. <laughs> <laughs> let, 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 let's get it on. <laughs> what would you do? Okay. So this week's What Would You Do? It's like a really short one. Hey, BGT, how long after a first date should a guy text if he's actually interested? The same night. I'm appalled at that question. Yeah, I had a great time. Yeah. Yeah. Hope you made it home safe. Home exactly. safe. Are you home safe? I had a great time. I'm like, yes. this I had a very, like visceral reaction to the fact that that even is like a topic of conversation. We need that cap off. Definitely. Definitely. I'd say definitely. If, if it's taking more than 24 hours, then he's probably just not. What does the next day text say, though? I could. I, I think I would like I a cap off of the night and then like not the next day, but like the day after. Cause I'd be like, damn, you on my mind, sir. Well, to me, next day would would be like, had so much fun last night. Um, I hope we can do that again. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 If you don't check that I got home safe, I don't know. You might be out of the runnings. Well, I hope that you brought me to my door. But this is very, that's very like, oh where, God, do, where do I live? We are not in Bridgerton. <laughs> right. I'm like, I don't think anyone's bringing you to the door. Taking you on a chariot. Yeah. <laughs> you probably put me in an Uber. To make right, sure true. Made it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you need to make sure my Uber, you know, got me home in one piece. Mm. Yes, that's ideal. But next day, he should definitely text you. Um, if it's taking days, just pretend it never happened. Or maybe you text him first. This is 2020. I, I think you can text him first. But I'm I'm always gonna hold that over his head. Like you ain't text me. Mm. Well, yeah, that's toxic. So if you're gonna always hold it over his head, then don't do it. Right. That's <laughs> why I'm like, props. Prop, I'm not. like always going to hold yeah, it like over that his head. Doesn't sound like it's a nice foundation. Um, <laughs> well, I guess I say that to say like it's gonna be something that I will think about in like your texting and communication style. I'm like, well. Of course you ain't text me back because you ain't even text me on the first day. <laughs> oh my God. I want to pop pop you right now, girl. Right. Messy, messy. You are so hilarious. <laughs> um, but good luck, girl. I hope he texts you soon. And if he doesn't, get on Tinder. It's getting warm. Go outside after you get vaccinated. Hit the streets, <laughs> sis. Okay. Right. Also, if you <laughs> um you left us speechless. Um if you want to send us a what would you do, email us at hello at Black Girls Texting, or you can DM us on Instagram at Black Girls Texting. Or now you can also um, send us a tweet, a Twitter DM, and the Twitter, <laughs> the Twitter, our Twitter name is, God damn it, I can't use Oh that. my God. It's at Black Girls Text, and then the number one. So Black Girls Text one. Chelsea and them Twitter fingers. She's really trying to make Twitter happen. I'm trying. I'm trying. I respect She's it. Really trying. I respect People it. People respond on Twitter now. So, you know, it's picking up a bit. Help us. <laughs> I've never been there. I don't even know how you get to Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then if you want to check up on us individually, I'm Chelsea Pinky. I'm at Bed-Stuy. Brats. Um, I don't know. on Tinder. Yeah. Find me. Find me on Black Girl Sexy. Um, have a good week. Bye-bye. Bye. It's a stimmy for me. <laughs> it's a stimmy for me. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to Black Girls Texting. Make sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you listen and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Oh, and don't forget to text every group chat you're in and tell them to check us out. Follow your girls at Black Girls Texting and we'll see you next week. Bye.